Welcome to a special bonus edition of Crescent City Crime, dear listeners. I'm Tracy. And I'm Brian. And as always, we thank everybody for listening to us. We welcome everybody who is listening to us, whether or not you're new, whether or not you are a repeat listener. All of our social media things will be linked in the show notes, as always. We encourage uh, reviews, subscriptions, and, of course, word of mouth. So please, tell your friends about us, but also... Tell your enemies, especially your enemies. So I wanted to jump in here tonight. I mean, I am pretty much just getting off of work. But, you know, ever since Thursday, I've been closely following the recent arrest of the Long Island serial killer. And Brian, you have been subjected to a lot of uh, stream of information coming from me about it. Yes, very much so. And, you know, the reason why I wanted to do this episode is because you don't often see a prolific serial killer just get caught after the cases have gone cold. No, no, not often. And there's unfortunately, there's usually like a level of public apathy that develops. And sometimes even within the uh, law enforcement authority that's charged with the investigation as well at times. Well, it's funny that you bring that up because a reason why this person was likely not caught sooner was because of police corruption. The police chief of Suffolk County, the former police chief, uh, spent 46 months in federal prison. And that's not, that's not even the biggest, the biggest surprise. Uh, police chiefs in small towns have unfortunately often wound up getting caught breaking the law by either the FBI or the much larger sheriff's department for the county or parish. Right. Which in Louisiana, there is a local police chief that has recently been arrested for dealing drugs. Oh, which one was that? Uh, Let's see. I'm sorry. I don't recall the town. Uh, It was the sheriff's department Mm -hmm. for for the parish in question. So it was basically... A, has, has has arrested him and the, the sheriff said something to the... Something to the effect of it's bad enough that there's drug dealers in that town we ha- and that we have to remove the police chief for doing it. Mm. Well, I am going to give a brief summary of the Long Island serial killer... The Gilgo Beach serial killing spanning from 1996 to 2011, as far as we know. Anything else is speculation at this point about, you know, it, it is, has been revealed that uh, Rex Hewerman, that is, the, that is the killer's name, had traveled here and there. Uh, it looks like he probably has a gambling addiction. He has a timeshare in Las Vegas. He also owes uh, tens of thousands of dollars in back taxes. Uh, 
uh, sounds like he was trying to fund something of an expensive lifestyle and well it you know that's of course that is the the least of his crimes is being in trouble with the IRS this is but for a long time this was a mystery nobody knew who this guy was and the remains of up to 18 individuals were discovered in the area of Gilgo Beach. That's 18 uh, sets of remains that were found. Mm-hmm. The majority of the victims were sex workers. Yeah. They had advertised their services on Craigslist, and this earned the unknown perpetrator at the time uh, several monikers. Uh, Long Island serial killer is one of them. The Manorville Butcher and the Craigslist Ripper. Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt. Okay, it's uh, Grand Coto Police Chief. Okay. Arrested on drug charges and theft charges. The arresting authority was uh, St. Landry Parish Sheriff's Office. That's what I thought it was. I just wanted to make sure. Okay, yeah, St. Landry Parish is... Uh, it, it is one of those parishes that is pretty impoverished. It does not surprise me that there's heavy drug activity in that area. Uh, you know, sometimes these these drug dealers are trying to earn a living, and of course, poverty f- also can feed into addiction. Yeah, and the, the the local police there are on a low salary, including the chief, and uh, occasionally these types of underpaid police chiefs and officers wind up engaging in corruption to make supplement their income. The police chief was, uh, let's see, uh, Jeffrey Carl Gilbo. Jeffrey Gilbo. Okay. It's, Gilbo was a French name, and it's it's, you know, it's fairly common in in uh, Louisiana. Yes. Yes, see, it so. is. So, so there you have it, folks. So there you have it. Yes, even law enforcement is not above the law, or at least they're not supposed to be. Yes, and it, this is just yet another example. Of the of the crime that's bred by uh, corruption, di- disgraced President Richard Nixon's drug war. Uh, that too, yes, yes. So the investigation into these Long Island killings gained momentum in 2010 when Shannon Gilbert, a sex worker, went missing. Her disappearance prompted a police search of the Ocean Parkway area near Gilgo and Oak Beach in Suffolk County. This ultimately led to the, to the discovery of, of human remains. In December of 2010, the remains of four victims, and these are the ones that are known as the Gilgo Four, were found in close proximity to each other. The names of the four women found are Maureen Brainerd Barnes, Melissa Bartholomew, Megan Waterman, and Amber Costello. Following the disappearance of Melissa Bartholomew in 2009, the killer targeted her family by making taunting phone calls and text messages. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, this is, this is obviously one of the most sadistic examples of a psychopath out there. It's not enough to gain, to gain pleasure to get his dopamine to his brain from torturing and murdering innocent people but has to terrorize the relatives as well 
for an additional dopamine high, of course. Yeah, it really, it really is infuriating when that when I think about it too hard that somebody as terrible as this is. I mean, he's already committing heinous crimes, but yeah, like you just said, it it's it's for him. It was just a part of getting off on it. Yes, and you see, I mean that's one of the ways that someone becomes a serial killer of multiple murders. They get addicted to that dopamine high that they get from mur- torturing someone, murdering someone. So they're going to do it over and over again because they, you know, it's their hobby. They enjoy doing it, and it's how they get their dopamine high. Authorities believe that the sets of remains found later likely predate the four bodies that were discovered in December of 2010. So this is a prolonged and disturbing pattern of violence. Now, there is speculation that there is more than one serial killer. I am open to that possibility. I mean, you know, Long Island is close to New York City. New York City is a huge, huge megalopolis. The more people that you have in one area, the more likely it is that you're going to get uh, not-so-savory characters from that crowd. Yes, because um, th- this is a fraction of a decimal point of a percent of your given population are people like this. So yes. the larger the population, the larger the possibility you're going to have these kinds of people. Yeah, and, you know, I just want to <clears throat> remind everybody, you know, California had, and Washington State have had uh active serial killers, more than one active serial killer at the same time. You know, and Baton Rouge, even Baton Rouge, Louisiana, has had more than one active serial killer at the same time. And Baton Rouge is nowhere near as big as New York City. So I am, yeah, I mean, I'm still speculating. It is possible that there's more than one killer. However, that is going to remain to be seen. Because, as of right now, law enforcement has seized storage units in Rex Huerman's name. Law enforcement has said that this is the worst they've ever seen. Which, when you're in law enforcement, you see some pretty messed up things. And if they're saying this is the worst they've seen, then that kind of leads me to believe that mm, they might be finding body parts, perhaps? They might have found a very macabre collection of souvenirs. Uh, And being an architect, it's quite... Now, this... Of course, this is... Even the thought of this is disturbing. I'm thinking right now there's a possibility that he may have created his own very twisted form of art from his victims. Oh, okay, now, now my mind didn't even go there. That, you see, yeah, my mind went there because they said this is the worst they've seen. Mm, okay? Yeah. So that kind of really stretched my imagination. And I've my short time in law enforcement, I saw a few pretty messed up things when I was uh, overseas in the Marine Corps. I saw a few pretty messed up things. Uh, so, 
you know, my imagination was already predisposed to that kind of that kind of thing. I'm I'm actually kind of surprised that my mind didn't go there because you know when you start talking about things like that, it sounds like a Criminal Minds episode or a Law and Order or something like that. You know, just keep in mind sometimes the truth is stranger than fiction. Sometimes the truth is stranger than fiction. Now, I'm far as the possibility of a different serial killer operating at the same time. Of course, it is a possibility, but I'm also open to the possibility that this particular serial killer had two different styles. Yeah, and, you know, also, every time a, a, a serial killer pops up, somebody who's been arrested, somebody who might confess to the, to the crime, somebody that they can find evidence on, it seems like there's always something new that pops up with them. You know, like, some of them do stick to type. Some of them are very methodical. You know, they, they have the same torture, kill, disposal methods. But some don't. It seems like it's a little more rare. But some serial killers do change their M.O. So, there was that possibility as well. That it could be, could be the same serial killer. But... I think they'll be able to figure out if it is the same serial killer linked to all these victims. Yes. <clears throat> because they're going to find something that links, you know, both of these proverbial killing styles. Yes. Now, the now the case was cold up until they made the arrest. They made the arrest on July the 13th, 2023. The cell phone data obtained from the phone calls that he made to Melissa's family played a vital role in facilitating the arrest. So, it was discovered that on August the 10th of 2009, he traveled to Iceland based on subpoena travel documents. And during that period, all phone activity associated with the Bartholomew phone ceased. Then on August 18th of 2009, after he had returned from Iceland, the phone activity resumed the following day. So that that's pretty damning. Yeah, yeah I would say so. The connection between Rex Hewerman and... Uh, he had several burner phones as well. And this is what he used to contact the victims because, I mean, he was still trolling for sex workers. So he would call the sex workers through burner phones and he paid for all of these phones through his American Express card. <laughs> oh, you've got to be kidding me, dude. Really? <laughs> yeah, so... Oh, I, I, oh, God, I mean, it's like... um. Like, just from my knowledge, okay, of, let's say, uh, let's say, uh, of what? Okay. Uh, CIs, okay. Confidential informants? Yes. Okay. Including, especially for, like, members of the media, okay. Um, when you buy burner phones, you, you go out of town to a retailer you never frequent, Pay cash. And, and pay cash and wearing clothes that you never wear as well. 
Maybe even put a wig on and a mustache. A hat? A hat? Shades? Yeah. yeah. Um, reading, reading glasses? Yeah. Okay. To make yourself look like you, you wear you know, we wear glasses. Okay. But, wow. Using a credit card in your name to purchase burner phones. Yes, he, he did that. <laughs> well, he did the investigators a favor with that one. Well... Additionally, the, the usage of the phones were in close proximity to his former New York City office. So, of course, this helped to link him to the killings. And the burner phones were linked to a series of corresponding burner emails that he had created to communicate with sex workers online. And in what appears to be another lapse in judgment... Hureman used his personal cell phone to access the inbox of one of the burner emails. <laughs> okay. Oh, boy. And you see something else, okay? From when, 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 say, a journalist or even a member of law enforcement meets with someone, uh, you know, utilizing fake email address, uh, you're going to access that email address on, I guess you can call it a, on a computer. Right. That you have absolutely no personal information like on. Like at the public library? No. No, because at the public library, remember, you have to register. Oh, that's right, you do, yeah. Yeah, you do. So they, they, they know who's accessed those computers at a certain time, okay? Uh, so, no, it, it's kind of like getting the burner phone, except mm. it's a burner computer. Right. It's a laptop computer that, once again, you purchased it out of town or the retail you never go to, paid cash for it. You put zero personal information on it, and the only email you log on to is burner emails. Right. Or fake emails, you know, with your fake name and all that stuff. Okay. Right. Okay, so, yeah. <laughs> it's another slip up there, right there. Well, one particular burner email account, and this is referred to as Thawk email account. Uh, this is in the court documents. Uh, this is a valuable source of evidence. It, it contained thousands of searches related to sex workers, sadistic activities, torture-related pornography, and even child sex abuse material. Now this is incriminating. Very incriminating. You know, it's 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 possible that he was looking up specific types of torture pornography that matched what he did with the bodies. That is entirely possible. The particulars may come out someday. But just remember that this is, in general, like, this is a really dark topic. So proceed down the rabbit hole at your own risk. You might not want that in your head. Yeah, I, I suspect that a bit of this history of looking that stuff up is uh, early on before at least some of the murders or he was like working up to working up to this. Well, some more of the speculation is that there's a, a in and this is, you know, things that I've read on the internet forums, okay? This is not factual. This has not been proven or nothing. 
but there is speculation that he may have started when he was 20, just based on uh, certain unsolved murders from that area way back in the day. And going through various mediums of porn is prob probably predated that as a teenager, okay? Whereas he's getting dopamine, his dopamine highs off of watching certain kinds of porn, and then he, you know, he, he gets this, you know, tolerance built up, and then he goes from more, even uh, more hardcore types of porn, and then uh, frequents prostitutes, mm -hmm. you know, with, because he's getting, he's, he's this has become an, an addictive kind of habit to him. Yes. And... You know, he discovers how sadistic he is and that he probably gains even more pleasure from being sadistic. So uh, he started torturing and murdering these prostitutes. And it wasn't enough for him to have sex with them. And unfortunately, just like so many other cases that we've talked about, like, you know, this kind of thing, a lot of those victims are sex workers or they were sex workers and once again I just have to say they're some of the most vulnerable members of our society and they should be protected a lot better than they actually are I'm going to just keep saying that until it happens yes that they're they're innocent people it, it it prostitution is a victimless crime they they're taking all the risks Especially putting themselves out there for certain kinds of clientele, and unfortunately, uh, not all their clientele is, you know, on the up and up as far as their profession goes. Not all of them are Richard Gere from Pretty Women. Pretty Woman. Right, Sorry. right. Um, and, well, women who. Well, it's like the only women who get to, the only sex workers, okay, who who get clientele like Richard Gere for that movie, are uh, high-paid escorts. Yeah, like uh, okay. like a Heidi Fleiss escort, yeah. Right, right. Okay, you know, obviously they're in a less riskier that those particular sex workers are in a less riskier version of the profession than street prostitutes. Right. Now, and now, ordinarily, when someone gets the proverbial sex addiction that begins with watching excessive amounts of porn to the point to where the man, uh, you know, it's sunlight already, the man hasn't gone to sleep, he's spent the whole night binging on porn, you know, and eventually winds up picking up prostitutes. Okay, normally that's kind of where it ends, is just picking up is picking up the prostitutes you know and a divorce and probably losing his job and uh, I'm basing this on a true story I read about there was this uh, tenured professor who actually missed a speaking engagement oh because of this kind of behavior because the his sex addiction addiction just took over his life. 
And this was a real sex addiction. addiction. This wasn't like certain celebrities just getting in trouble for sexual harassment and then saying, I have sex addiction and I'm going to go get treatment for it. All of a sudden... (laughs) No, no. Right, this right. was a pattern of behavior that just escalated over the over a period of years. Right. You see, and so essentially, this this is very similar to how someone escalates to become a serial killer, which of course is not the usual result. The usual result is just simply some some dead end where a law, otherwise law abiding citizen ruins his own life from in, from engaging in something. You know. To, ex- to access, you see. Right. Well, during the period from March of 2022 to June 2023, Rex Heuerman conducted over 200 searches directly related to the Lisk case. These searches encompassed a wide range of topics, including information about the victims, stories about the unsolved murders, and details about the investigation itself. <sighs> Prosecutors revealed that Hewerman searched for various podcasts and documentaries as well. Additionally, it repeatedly accessed numerous images depicting the murdered victims and their immediate family members. So like, you know, images of the dead bodies, images of the families uh, in the press. He was accessing these photos over and over again. Which was feeding into his addiction, right? To the, the, his his habit of uh, harming people, gaining pleasure from harming people. This this was feeding that even further. Apparently, his his dopamine was getting triggered in the brain from watching the media coverage. He was getting off on media coverage of himself. Yes, and he wouldn't be the first serial killer to read his own press to I mean you know or to even insert himself into the investigation and it's it's really disgusting to even think that this psychopath apparently felt it glorious to do all this stuff which is probably tied into his just enjoyment of, of his own press yeah yeah well furthermore prosecutors highlighted a significant detail he also sought out and viewed articles concerning the task force that was especially created to investigate him <clears throat> So he was trying to keep track of what they were doing the best he could. I uh, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, good job, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and another crucial piece of evidence is that Amber Costello, who was one of the Gil- Gilgo Four, was that um, what what had happened was that Amber was with Rex Hewerman. And her, I guess it was her pimp or her friend, uh, basically stormed into the room and, quote, caught them in the act. He pretended to be an angry boyfriend. And this is a, a, a scam wherein you get the money from your client without having to do anything for it. 
because your boyfriend magically interrupted you. Ah. Uh. <laughs> okay. Now, because of this, there there was a witness that was able to describe Rex Hewerman. Described him as uh, as an ogre, as a matter of fact. Said so he looked like an ogre, which, okay. <laughs> yeah, you're looking at the the mugshot. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but most importantly, he the witness was also able to uh, tell the law enforcement that he drove a first generation Chevy Avalanche, which is a pretty crucial detail about who this person might have been. Now, prosecutors also presented DNA evidence that undeniably connects Rex Hureman to these crimes. A male hair was found within... So, the, the Gilgo Four they were put into burlap sacks and a male hair was found in one of the sacks and this was determined to be a mitochondrial match with a probability of 99.96% which oh, it was in mito, mito, mitochondria? yeah the <clears throat> mitochondria yes ah yes our energy factories and adenine triphosphate is made there ATP for short. This has been Science Corner. <laughs> biology. biology. Biology Corner, yeah. Well, yes, it's biology science. Yeah, the, the ingredients of adenine triphosphate. Uh, water, glucose, oxygen. Mm. Yep. Well, 99.96% <clears throat> is very high. This means that it is statistically improbable that it is somebody else. Investigators obtained Hewerman's DNA sample from a discarded pizza crust that they observed him throwing into a garbage can outside of his Manhattan office in January of 2023. Yep, he didn't dispose of that evidence, did he? (laughs) (laughs) The results from the lab confirmed the match between the DNA collected from the pizza crust and the hair found in the burlap sack. Yeah, that Saturday over at that brewery picnic deal. Uh, remember that's that's why I finished a piece of pizza crust that you left. <laughs> well, yeah. To get that, rid of the evidence. I ate the evidence. I'm, I'm, I am J- just in case you killed someone before you showing up there. All right, I, I have to confess this. I am a serial podcaster. <laughs> Don't judge me, everybody. Well, occasionally I've been a serial killer. Okay, I don't remember when this took place, and I'm confessing you this right now. But I killed an entire box of Captain Crunch one time. Not Captain Crunch. Yes. I killed the whole box. (laughs) All right. Possibly half a gallon of milk along with it. Not the milk. Yes, the milk too. You can't kill a box of cereal without milk. (laughs) Now, another significant development in the investigation was the discovery of DNA evidence from the hairs of a woman found on two of the victims. Forensic scientists were able to match this DNA to Rex Hewerman's wife. 
and she was either she was during the times of these murders and it has been confirmed she was out of the country okay and the ongoing forensic investigation at the residence of Rex Hewerman suggests a belief that he may have committed the murders of the women inside the house while his wife was away which my god I can't even imagine I think uh, didn't he use their bed too? Might have I this and that. I remember I, where the hairs came from. I do know that law enforcement has basically taken the entire bed. Well, there you have it. And they also took away a sofa bed. Uh huh. So, again, you know these particulars. We might not know everything at some point. I mean, at some point we might know everything, but right now we don't. We don't know what evidence is being collected from where. But it does seem likely to me, and it would actually make sense to me, that this was his method. Wife goes out of town. Hey, let's engage in in, in my sadistic hobby right in my house. Yes, and... Now, a greater percentage of the population, I would say a much greater percentage of the population waits until... The spouse is out of town to have an affair, even in the house, okay? Right. On their bed, okay? Uh, and, of course, um, of course, uh, other men, okay, like men might, like myself, might wait until, you know, say, uh, like Tracy's visiting her parents over in Tennessee to hit up the gaming shop. For long, longer gaming sessions, for example. You went to the gaming shop without me. Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, of course, the the normal behavior to wait for your wife to leave town before engaging in certain things, but of course, it's uh, of course it's disturbing to see that even the the married psychopath. Hmm. Uh, is going to do this is going to operate in a similar fashion yeah boy I, I tell you I wish he would have just gone to the gaming shop yeah I mean it's like you know when I'm when I'm hitting up the gaming shop while you're out of town well you know I'm uh, you're what I mean I'm kind of you know killing people in a fantasy situation Oh yeah, like okay. miniatures games and right, and stuff. right, yeah, yeah. engaging in warfare and warfare and all that stuff. And uh, but this guy, this guy does it for real. This guy actually literally murders people when his wife is out of town. I know that that's that's so chilling to me though. Now, uh, those of you religious fundamentalists out there, okay, this is this is the real demon, okay, folks. All right. You see, this is the real proverbial satanic guy, okay? Not guys like me who might occasionally play some Dungeons & Dragons campaign where we're a bunch of chaotic, evil SOBs doing evil things in a game, okay? Right. Okay? And you're worried about us, you know, playing Dungeons & Dragons. Do you remember... When you got these people out there right under your freaking noses when doing we, it for real. A long time ago, we were at a coffee shop, and I think I, I was like 
either we were playing with magic cards, Magic the Gathering, or I was just looking through a deck and like these weirdo fundamentalists came up to me and like tried to convert me because they thought it was satanic. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. God almighty. Just, yeah. yeah, like the toy aisle of, of a Toys R Us years and years ago when you had Harry Potter. Some of the shelves were dominated by Harry Potter toys, you know, from the movies or Lord of the Rings toys from those movies. And this lady shopping for toys for one of her children walks up to me and talks to me about how satanic Harry Potter is in Lord of the Rings. And I kind of smiled and. You know, you know me, I'll talk to anybody about just about anything without getting upset with them. And I smiled and I said, well, you know, of course, well, that, well that's, oh, it's obviously satanic. Sure, sure, sure. Well, if it is, well, then how did the bad, why did the bad guys lose? Right. <laughs> you know, why do the writers uh, go out of their way to, to basically show you why the bad guys are so evil, why you shouldn't be like them? So... You know, it doesn't add up. These people haven't read a single sentence of any of those books or even seen a minute of any of those movies. Mm. No, they're just, they just always need a boogeyman. Right. They, well, this is the real boogeyman. This is the real boogeyman, people. Yes. This, you know, not somebody in a fantasy situation playing a game or watching a movie. This is who you should be on the lookout for. Not a bunch of geeks. Playing video games or role-playing games or tabletop war games. Now, as of as of now, Rex Hewerman is charged with the murders of Megan Waterman, Melissa Bartholomew, and Amber Costello, and he is a prime suspect in the death of Maureen Brainerd Barnes. And until there is official word on more charges, anything else is speculation at this point. I really want to emphasize that because part of the or some of the things that I've read over this past week have just you know as a as a person who has a a true crime podcast and yes I look at this as primarily a hobby um but some people who I, I they they call it chasing clout so like they'll come up with these most ridiculous theories they'll even try to claim they have some kind of special knowledge of of the case and that kind of thing and and that's really just that that's just annoying or in case or just in case they're wrong they'll just cook something up and and say it's been rumored spoiler alert everybody was wrong in this case <laughs> i mean nobody guessed that it was an architect from new york city i think that the only thing that um that that i really remember I think it was on a podcast hearing early on was that this person had to have been a resident of Massapequa and sure enough Rex Hewerman lived in Massapequa so that was the only thing that was right okay everybody else was wrong okay that nobody gets a gold star with their homework nobody gets a pat on the head for being correct everybody was wrong yeah, well, it's you, you can't underestimate psychopaths because psychopaths are typically intelligent people. Yes. Now, 
Now, of course, being intelligent doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. Doesn't mean you're not you're, you're going you're not going to slip up. Right, and I also just want to let, let let's have a little bit of fun here. You know, there's internet forums, right? Of course, it's anonymous. You know, you never really know who's making these comments. You don't know what they look like. You don't know where they live. None of that. Unless it's a Facebook friend who you know in real life. Okay, good point. Or a social media friend that you know in real life. Not just Facebook. It could be Instagram or whatever. But Same an- thing. But anyway. Semantics. <laughs> but anyway. Let's say that a person on a forum would have been correct. Let's say that this person was like, oh, it was Rex Hurman and he lives in Massapequa in, a, in, in an ugly red house. Okay. Well, even if you made that comment, how could you actually prove that it was you? Like, you know, like you don't, you, you, you're not going to hold a press conference, right? None of that. So I just, I guess I just don't understand this whole clout chasing thing. Is that, I mean, maybe it's supposed to be for clicks, reviews, troll bait or whatever. Well, it's ridiculous and it's aggravating. You have it in every genre. Yeah, you do. Every genre you there do. is. Yeah, like, you know, like Star Wars fandom is really, parts of it are very toxic. Um, like, uh, you know, world affairs concerning military matters. It, it exists there, too. Yeah. Where it's like every now and then the CIA gets accused of doing all kinds of wild and crazy things that they might not even have the capability to, to, to accomplish. Um, and there are military experts out there that, that go on YouTube and say, uh, yeah, the, the CIA is not playing 4D chess all the time. Right. In, in, every, in every freaking country, uh, like this wild-ass conspiracy theory that the CIA deliberately planted, uh, you know, left-behind military equipment for the Taliban to acquire in Afghanistan so that they could attack Iran. Mm. Okay. Okay. That's like really, really freaking wild, and it's not true. Uh, the CIA actually addressed it and kind of laughed it off. Because um, if that was the plan, it would have been. There would have actually been a lot more going on than just tal- Iranian Taliban forces attacking uh, an outpost along the Afghan-Iranian border close to this uh, waterway that they're kind of sort of sparring over. Ah, right, okay. Yeah, Yeah. and in the near future, who knows, there might be a water war between Iran and Afghanistan, but maybe not. They're trying to smooth things out right now. Well, let's hope that they can smooth things out because uh, anything good in this world that can happen, I would like it to happen. Yeah, but there was an interesting tidbit. One of the Taliban generals uh, picked up this gallon of water and, uh, you know, via social media, told one of the Iranian mullahs, uh, uh, here, I offer you this gallon of water. Please don't attack us. We're terrified. <laughs> Very sarcastically speaking. Right, you know. right. Well, do you have uh, anything to add about Rex Hurman, Long Island serial killer? I, I just want to say I'm just really glad that he was caught. I am glad that in this time period of our lives, 2023, that we have uh, DNA testing that's so accurate 
that these cold cases can can be solved, that we can catch the people who did it. I mean, we saw this a couple of years ago with the East Area Rapist, uh, also became the Golden State Killer. We also saw this uh, with the Pillowcase Rapist in Florida. You know, they, there are very recent examples of, the, of these things happening. And everyone be patient. I'm certainly being patient. Uh, this investigation team is rightfully piling up the evidence because the, the greater the pile of evidence they get on this guy, the greater the probability that they can lock him up for the rest of his life. Right. Yes. Exactly. Uh, he is being held without bail. He has pled not guilty through his attorney. And his next court date is August the 1st, 2023. So perhaps during that time, that's less than two weeks away. So hmm. per perhaps during that hearing, uh, more charges will be read. That is, uh, I mean, that's what I'm expecting. Yes, we, uh, yeah, be patient. They need to take, they need to take the time to gather this all up. Yeah, and also remember that this is very tedious. Um, Rex Hurman, it's also being reported that he was a pack rat. So that's a lot of, of, of uh, items to go through, big and small. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't envy. Uh, I don't envy the investigators there and the, uh, you know, crime scene techs. Yeah, I just hope they, that they, they have can... a lot of they have a lot of work to do. So. It's going to be pretty time, given he's a pack rack, yeah, it's going to take more time than normal to process evidence. Yeah. I, the enormity of this case. I, I just hope that they can um, identify, <clears throat> excuse me, identify more of the remains that were found uh, in, in that dumping site. I really hope that it was only one guy. I hope that there's not more than one serial killer roaming around out there. Well, a conversation with you off the air, I kind of likened the possibility that, that this is the same guy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes, you did. Uh, to someone whose hobby is, uh, you know, model railroad trains. Right, okay? right. Uh, being into RO and HO scale at the same time. Gotcha. Two different styles of the same thing. But but still toy trains. But still toy trains, yes. Two different styles of murder, but still murder. Right. Yes. So, dear listeners, that is going to wrap it up for us on this bonus content episode. We will be back on Thursday with our regularly scheduled podcast, as always. And until then, everybody, be safe, be kind. Remember that we're all human beings. Don't park next to vans and protect the sex workers. If it's dark, it's dangerous, and you don't feel safe, don't be there in the first place, even if you are purchasing your burner phone or your burner computer outside of town. <laughs> uh, and if you are being questioned by law enforcement and you are not the victim or the witness to a crime lawyer up <laughs>